Joining us, our friend, attorney, author, public speaker, radio host, and all-around pal, Wendy Patrick. You know her. You love her. I, I hope you know her and love her. Uh, we do. Uh, Wendy, I'm glad you're here. How are you? Uh, it's always a pleasure to join you. Great. I feel like uh, I'm trying to be under control, but the speed at which the holidays are descending upon us gets me nervous. And I'm thinking, do I have everything done? So I'm just going to try and muddle through it because I can't slow down the calendar. I'm just going to have to try and deal with it. How about you? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what, this year has gone faster than almost any year I can imagine. And, you know, part of that, I think, is because we've sort of settled into our new routines, whatever they've been, whether we're teleworking or we have our, you know, senior hour breeze through our favorite stores. You're not old enough to know about that, Mike. Neither am I. But you know what I mean. There are just certain things that seem to make time go by faster. And gosh, now we're in the middle of the holidays. I feel like we were just in the middle of summertime. Yeah, it seems like the year was a blink, even though we all felt like we're trapped at home with the COVID. You know, we <laughs> we all felt like we were locked down. But I have to freely admit, Wendy, and a lot of people are probably going to be upset with me. My life didn't really change all that much. I broadcast remotely most of the time from a home studio. Golf was never shut down in Delaware. Right. And um, so I, I didn't really have to change anything other than I pre-ordered a bunch of toilet paper and Red Bull. That was it. <laughs> Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, those two things go together real well. You know, Mike, one of, one of the other things that I think um, our listeners can relate to is the reality that as much of pandemic protocol really got into place fairly quickly. And as much as we thought, oh, we're going to have to stay at home forever, I'll tell you what, that plexiglass was up and servers and, and people that work in the malls and the stores and at Walmart, they were masked, gloved, and sanitized faster than I think we ever thought humanly possible. So we actually were able to get back out there sooner rather than later. And those shelves were restocked in record time. I really feel like we all leapt into action. And while our hearts and prayers will always be with anybody that contracted COVID or had a loss, a loved one that they lost to the disease. There also has been a bit of a silver lining for people that have just relished the time they've gotten to spend with loved ones that they never dreamed was on the horizon. That, that, let's just say even in March of this year. Yeah, I've got a buddy who's been married to his wife for 12 years, and he said, I never knew she didn't have a middle name until the lockdown. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. That's, that thought, may be over the top. <laughs> I thought that's a, that's a little unusual. Went, I, how, how is it that he just found out during the lockdown? That's a story I would like to hear. Would they actually have a chance to talk? <laughs> he said, he said, uh, we had a lot of, um, uh, he said, in the past, we've had quality time together, but we never had quantity time together in the lockdown. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, he has both. Okay, that is a great story. You know what? That's a Psychology Today column waiting to be written. Thank you for the inspiration. You're welcome. I'll send you. He's a, he's a comedian. I'll send you uh, the the little vignette that he did. It's on Dry Bar Comedy. I don't know if you know Dry Bar Comedy. It's, uh, I do now. It's, I do now. That's uh, going to be a good story. Thank you. It's my buddy Goomba Johnny, and he is uh, he's a very good working comedian. I've known him forever. But this story is on Drybar Comedy's Facebook page, and it's very clever. He tells a lot of interesting uh, 
COVID and lockdown uh, stories about what happens. But speaking of COVID and lockdown, and we are progressing with different, uh, I guess, newer and more restrictive moves by governors in some states, just as the vaccine is being shipped all over the country and it's about to start getting stuck in people's arms and uh, I have questions about this, Wendy, because, you know, they're they're talking about making vaccine passports or some kind of proof that you've had the vaccine. And, and I'm wondering, can employers there was a story you sent me about employers mandating it or threatening to fire people. Can that actually happen? You know, the answer to that question is a qualified yes. Let me explain. Obviously, it depends on where you work, public or private. If you work for a private employer, there are very few scenarios under which they can't enforce a safe workplace, and that often includes mandatory vaccinations. Now, you can have a religious exemption. You can have a medical exemption. We've always had those two exemptions. In other words, you have underlying medical conditions that would endanger you, your health, your family's health if you took it. Um, and you may have sincerely held religious objections. But barring those two exceptions, think about this. Employers have a duty to the public and under the health and safety code and the labor code to create a safe workplace. That means for customers, for clients, for coworkers. And if you have somebody that is refusing to be vaccinated against something we know is very contagious, that can be a problem and that could be a reason to fire you depending on where you work. Now, this is not new. There are hospital wards across the country where those workers have to take flu vaccines every year. They have to get the flu shot because they're in close contact with the public. So the answer to that question also obviously depends on where you work. Are you what we call a paper-pushing desk jockey or a dentist where you're constantly in somebody's mouth? So those are the types of things that that are at issue. Let me give you one more sort of wild card here that uh, really is kind of unique to, to COVID. Think about this. It's a game changer in terms of giving different workplaces, especially in the hospitality industry, a competitive advantage. Wouldn't you rather go to a restaurant that boasts 100% of our servers are vaccinated rather than someplace where, you know, hey, it's just kind of at will, whether you want to, whether you feel like it or not, masks are optional. Which one would you rather eat at? So Mm. there are those types of things to think about as well. And, you know, maybe that's going to start showing up in the windows of restaurants where they used to have the old Zagat's rating, where you would see. I remember that. Yeah, uh, the Tim Zagat and Tim and Nina Zagat put their ratings in every restaurant in New York City. And suddenly now we've got people who might be saying, hey, we've got 100 percent COVID uh, vaccination on staff. But here's the other thing about restaurants that I wonder about. I looked at the September to November statistics of the top five sources of COVID spreading in New York, for example. Number one is households or social gatherings at 73%. Number two was healthcare delivery. Number three, and that was down to 7.8%. Number three was colleges at 2%. Number four was education employees at a percent and a half. And the number five source of COVID spreading in New York was was restaurants at 1.43. And yet the governor came in and shut down indoor dining while healthcare, higher education, 
seems to be able to stay open even though they have higher numbers. This seems to be selective shutdown. And I just wonder when someone's going to put a, a class action suit in place in on behalf of all of the restaurants that have been forced to either close down or severely hampered. Yeah, so this is a great question, Mike, and I'm going to just briefly argue both sides of it. I love to do that as a trial lawyer. So on the one hand, I agree with you. It does seem like the statistics don't bear out the action. But think about this. At the very top of that list was households and social gatherings. People socialize at restaurants. The problem is you have people that are not being careful around each other. The restaurants, they are plexiglassed and masked and gloved and sanitized. They are not in a position. They're following all their protocol. You're not going to get it from them or from anything they serve you or from anyone who serves you. You're going to get it because you don't wear a mask when you're sitting right next to your friend that you've met for lunch. Or maybe you have a larger gathering. I know they've sort of cracked down on big groups. But that's how it happens, Mike. It's not the restaurant's fault. We have a duty to sort of socially police ourselves so that the restaurants don't suffer when they are the ones that poured all this money into taking the kind of precautions that drives down that number to just a percentage. So that is part of the problem. So those are the two sides of that narrative. And I have to tell you, Mike, you mentioned the Zagat in the window. I remember the A, B, and C ratings in restaurant windows. Do you remember those days? Oh, yeah. Well, there will come a time when maybe we'll see a V. <laughs> this restaurant has been vaccinated. Everybody that works here has been vaccinated and does not have COVID. But those are the kinds of, of balancing of the equities that come up every time. We have this type of a closure. And I'll tell you, that is not lost, not only on the business owners that are losing money and some of which are going out of business permanently, but in the law enforcement agency across the country. They will, they, so many of them have stepped up and said, look, we're not going to enforce mask wearing. We're going to respond to calls where the community members are in danger, robberies, rapes, burglaries. We're not going to enforce COVID restrictions. That's got to be disheartening and demoralizing for these government officials and health departments that keep putting them back into place. Yeah, it has to be crazy. But, you know, I think law enforcement and my God, we love the men and women of law enforcement and respect. Amen. Them. Thank him every Amen day. Amen to that. Well, their job's to protect people. You can't get out there with a COVID net or handcuff the virus. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, Wendy, we will keep an eye on that. But before we get out of here, I have to ask you the question du jour. What is the worst Christmas song ever? There is no such thing as a bad Christmas song, Mike. I am such a fan of Christmas. My home looks like Chevy Chase Christmas Vacation. <laughs> so I don't care if it's overplayed, underplayed, liked, hated, used in, as a butt of jokes. There is no such thing, and there could never be a Christmas song that I wouldn't like to hear. Wow. So even Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer? Love it. And well, you know they said it was COVID that killed Grandma. Of course, that would that would be the statistic that would be recorded. That's right. That's, that seems to be the, the way that those statistics are recorded. That's why they're so high. <laughs> True. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome, Mike. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.